Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 115 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and uh, this episode was recorded a day or so earlier than usual. We recorded this one on Friday, the 23rd of September, purely because it's a long weekend here in good old Western Australia. Um, thank you to those of you that are uh, continuing to listen, like, and subscribe on your favourite uh, podcast directories. That's very much appreciated. And uh, a little also thank you to a listener that uh, reminded me that uh, we've got quite a good back catalogue that uh, you can always take a listen to. You know, obviously, the news is relevant to the week that has just happened, but there's often guests within the podcast, particularly in the early days um, during the pan- pandemic, that uh, people might want to go back and uh, have a little listen to uh, some of those conversations. So, Jump onto the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and uh, go right into the archives and find episodes with the likes of Captain Kate from Celebrity Cruises, um, Seth Wayne, who was a brand ambassador for Holland America Line. We had Captain Johannes from Azamara. Uh, we had Sue, who's a cru- uh, cruise director on board a river cruise line in Europe. We had Robin West, who is an expedition leader with um, Seabourn. Uh, we had Shane from Virgin Voyages. And then not too long ago, actually, we had Kabir, who was a cruise director on a number of of uh, different cruise lines. So I'm going to highlight one of these shows for the next couple of weeks so you can go back in to the archives. I'm going to start off with episode 14, which was our first kind of celebrity uh, industry person that was invited to join us. And that was, of course, the legendary Captain Kate McHugh of Celebrity Cruises. So episode 14, the link to that one is in the show notes. Uh, Jump in there and have a good listen. And I'm sure you'll enjoy what Captain Kate has to say. Now, into this week's show, uh, it's quite a short one, wasn't actually an awful lot of news around this week, but uh, Chris will be joining us very shortly to go through the, the latest cruise news and answer a great listener question that uh, came in from Madeline, which I kind of guess came up as a result of the questions that we had last week around royalty and christening and naming of ships. So uh, we'll be answering that one around the cruise news section with Chris as well. So let's get the show on the road and start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. 
And the listeners are telling us that the second part of the show is always their favourite, so it's with great pleasure that we welcome back our good friend and maritime historian, Chris Frame. Welcome back, mate. Oh, how very generous of the listeners to say such nice things. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice to be back, Baz. It is, it is. And uh, got quite a lot of cruise news to get through, but as I was uh, sat here just uh, going through the, the socials as you do, I just noticed something that we haven't actually picked up on. So I thought I'd just quickly share with you that actually the, the Volendam, which you'll recall was in uh, Rotterdam in the Netherlands, was mm. housing um, refugees, of course. Um, that's actually just said goodbye to the last of its uh, kind of semi-permanent residents as they have now okay. found uh, alternative accommodation in the, the Netherlands. And the ship has now been returned to Holland America. It's freed from its charter and is underway to, to go and collect its first guests um, in Italy in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, just a little acknowledgement there to Holland America. They did a fabulous job for, for almost six months, I think, uh, housing the, the Ukrainian refugees there in, in the Netherlands. And it's been very well, well received by uh, everybody. So well done once again. Well, congratulations to the Holland America line. Mm. Um, another little good news story we're going to start off with first, Chris, is um, it's actually from the Mediterranean Shipping Company. So not the MSC, the cruise line, but their parent company, which, as you know, will, uh, is famous for transporting goods all over the world. They've actually managed to reroute its entire fleet to avoid collisions with an endangered species, sorry, an endangered species of whale. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they've made this decision. Um based on a series of surveys that were completed uh, by the International Fund for Animal Welfare, or Mm -hmm. IFAW, um, and it will actually see the voluntary uh, repositioning of the vessels or rerouting of it um, to pass by uh, Sri Lanka, um, which is a new course about 15 nautical miles to the south of where they would normally be be Mm. operating. Yeah, and it's incredible. As you say, just moving that uh, that 15 nautical miles south has projected that they will probably um, avoid something in the region of about 90% of um, mammals in that particular part of the world. So it's going to save a significant uh, amount. In fact, it was actually 95% yeah. um, decrease in, in whale strike. So uh, well done to MSC and being one of the pioneers in, in, in acknowledging this and trying to, to move things forward. It is something that people don't really necessarily think about, but of course, with with animals the size of of blue whales and other whales and, and other large marine uh, mammals, uh, it is it is a risk for them. So it's great to see um, that they're taking this uh, this responsibility seriously. Absolutely, and um, we've got some great news uh, with Carnival here in Australia. Uh, first of all, Carnival Luminosa has officially been registered with the Bahamas, because of course she was registered elsewhere with Costa. But we've also hit a bit of a milestone with Carnival Splendor, who's on her way to Australia too. Yeah, so I mean, Luminosa again was uh, was registered uh, in Italy when she was operating um, with Costa as kind of as Costa Luminosa. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, the Carnival cruise line ships are predominantly um uh registered in the bahamas there's, there's some that are registered also in panama i believe yep. um, and if you're confused as to what we're talking about um, i actually do have a video on my youtube channel um, talking with a former captain uh captain christopher rind explaining what a flag of convenience and a registration of a ship means so um but in, in essence it's the it's the, the flag that flies at the aft end of the ship and the name on the stern signifies what what country is sort of looking after that ship's registration mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, it sort of links into to the, um, to the rules and regulations that the ship has to has to follow whilst it's operating in international waters. Um, moving up to Carnival Splendor, I mean, we're excited about this one, of, of course, Baz, because it's the first Carnival ship to return to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so she departed Seattle just um, about two weeks ago on the 6th of September. 
and uh, and she'd been part of uh, Carnival's remarkably biggest ever Alaska season before she made her way down uh, to the Southern Hemisphere and has just crossed the equator. Sorry, sorry, has just crossed the international dateline, I should say, not the equator. That's right, and she'll be arriving into Sydney on the 30th of September. Uh, there'll be uh, some preparations there before her first voyage will be undertaken on the 1st of October. And of course, from then on, uh, Splendour will be homeported year-round from Sydney, whereas Carnival Luminosa will be a seasonal deployment out of Brisbane. Um, we'll share her with, of course, the, the Alaskan operations for, for Carnival in the Northern Hemisphere as well. Um, this week we celebrated another milestone. This time, Princess Cruises were the first of the cruise lines to make an emotional return to Kangaroo Island. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Princess has got quite a, a unique connection with Kangaroo Island because, uh, of course, um, in 2020, back in January, before the pandemic even even sort of shut the industry down, um, Australia was devastated by the by, by bushfires across that summer, um, and Kangaroo Island was one of the areas that was was impacted. And Princess Cruises uh, owns Sun Princess, which now has been um, has been retired mm-hmm. from the fleet. But she she was the first ship to go back there after those those bushfires. And now um, the first ship to go back after the pandemic, of course, is the Coral Princess, which is you know, significantly larger and and newer than the Sun Princess, and uh, um, you know very exciting ship. So it's great to see them um, back in in South Australia. Yeah, and uh, Princess will also be visiting the Majestic Princess a little later in the year, uh, even larger once again, and they've got plans to visit at this stage through to until 2024. And for our international visitors, if you're not sure where Kangaroo Island is, it is off the coast of South Australia, so if you're thinking of Adelaide, um, it's just a little further down, and it's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, Princess isn't the only cruise line, there's a number of different cruise lines that do head down there, including P&O Australia, uh, Cunard with Queen Elizabeth, and of course Holland America uh, with the Westerdam when they're in town as well. We've also had some uh, great news out of Princess this week around a new activity that's taking place on board. And this is something that I didn't see coming myself, but Princess is partnered with a martial arts program to offer the first martial arts at sea. Yeah, so they're partnered with Fuji Sports, which is a, an equipment provider. So anyone who's into, into martial arts probably recognize that name. Um, and it's an exclusive cruise partner um, with princess and it will include a number of events events rather i should say uh, competitions and seminars yeah no it's uh, something a little bit different that'll be uh, coming out on board the sky princess taking place between the 7th and 14th of uh, january 2023 and i guess over time will be eventually rolled out across the the other ships within the fleet as well yeah they've uh, listed out some of the the special features that they're going to have um, on board the princess uh, ships uh, in relation to this, and it even includes things like a family competition um, mm-hmm. and culinary demonstrations with celebrity chefs as part of this as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I think it'll be quite exciting for, for people who are interested in martial arts. Absolutely. Um, now, next, we're heading over to a brand very close to your heart, Chris. It's uh, In fact, it was 50 days a couple of days ago, so we're a little bit less than that now until uh, Cunard's mm. Queen Elizabeth returns to Australia. Yeah, so very excited. I mean, I, I recall um, vividly um, Queen Mary II departing Fremantle in um, <laughs> in Western Australia in March of 2020 as the last uh, Cunard ship to leave uh, our part of our part of the world. And now, all these months and months later, we're going to welcome Queen Elizabeth back. So Cunard will be back in Australia, which is really exciting. Um, so, of course, she's arriving on the 7th of November, um, and this will, again, be in Fremantle in Western Australia. So it will be 
um, the, the sort of bookending that uh, pandemic uh, hiatus, which will be, mm-hmm. will be great for Cunard to be able to celebrate this. Um, and, you know, once she's here, they're going to finally be able to do their great Australian culinary voyage, which I know has been um, talked about been, a lot. Yep. Talked about a lot. And also the gardening um, journey voyage that was planned, I think, for 2020. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really exciting. Of course, they're going to have a number of people um, from Australia speaking on board. Um, the ship during its time in our in our waters. This is, of course, including um, Sir Peter Cosgrove, uh, Dawn Fraser, um, uh, Nova Paris, and uh, you know, uh, maybe not quite so famous, but I'll also be doing some guest lectures on board the ship as well, Baz. So I'm really looking forward. I was to just it. about to say, are we are we uh, are likely to see you on board? Uh, giving yeah, Chris your, your Frame from the Big Cruise podcast will be there too. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They should put that in their media release. Actually, I'll have a chat with them. <laughs> fantastic and um yeah it's incredible that uh, you know Fremantle was the last port and it's going to be the first port coming back so i'm sure we're going to make mm. a bit of a special effort and head down to the port and uh, wave uh, from uh, the, the harbor there to, to welcome our guests back um be great to see next up we're talking about pno uk and then new ship the arvia um, they've got an incredible new range of uh, entertainment aspects that are coming to this particular ship what uh, what do you know chris well the the ship's it's one of these new um, LNG power ships. It's very similar in size and scale to the Iona. So it has a lot of space, a lot of amenities on board, which is really exciting. Um, there have been a number of uh, events uh, and, and shows that have been um, created exclusively for the PNO UK brand. Um, and it will all be sort of playing out in the headliners theatre, um, as well as, um, which is, uh, I should say, which is the ship's main, main theatre. So they've got um, a, a program called Greatest Days, which is the only place in the world you can see this particular um, stage musical is on board the Avia. Um, and then they've got Altitude, which is the outdoor adventure zone, um, entertainment for the whole family, um, talking about things like um, an area that's about 54 metres above the ocean. They've got a skywalk, which is their first ever um, high ropes course um, mm-hmm. on board a P&O Cruises UK ship. Um, and they've even got altitude mini golf, which is kind of interesting, like mini golf high above the oceans. So that that should be <laughs> how that plays out. Um, there's other there's other amenities uh, that they've introduced as well. Um, there's a thing called Mission Control, which is a uh, an immersive game set on board a fictional submarine called the Avia Two. So they're playing on the the ship's name there. Um, the Seven Ten Club, which is a sophisticated bar, um, which is you know having drinks crafted to selected music. Um, and, and the Ocean Studios, which is a three-screen multiplex cinema, so not just the ship's theatre being repurposed, but an actual theater, uh, cinema on board, which, you know, funnily enough, from a histor- historical point of view, the old ocean liners in the 1960s and, and, um, and 50s used to have a dedicated cinema. Even the old QE2 <laughs> had its own cinema on board, which was actually proper cinema, and it fell out of fell out of fashion, but now with, you know, multiplexes coming in and the, these these really special sort of, um, high budget blockbuster films that we're seeing it's sort of making a comeback at, at uh, on the cruise ships mm. i was just reading uh, some of the partnerships of course they've had a long-standing relationship with Ardeman, who are of course the the, the brains and the the the, the um the the artist behind Wallace and Gromit and Sean the Sheep and various things which will be on board to to help to entertain the kids. But they've also partnered with uh, Gary Barlow, famous, of course, from Take That back in the day. He's uh, one of the inspirations around some of the shows and some of the venues on board. So uh, great to see little touches uh, being enhanced and improved upon on this uh, beautiful ship that's coming out. Mm, Fantastic. 
Next up, we're talking Virgin Voyages, and these are quite uh, often in the news, but this time they're talking about sustainable marine fuel. Uh, we were talking about this just last week with uh, another cruise line who was uh, pioneering this little space, but uh, Virgin are also taking part and uh, getting on board and, uh, with a goal of reaching uh, net zero by 2050. Yeah, I've been doing quite a lot of reading about Virgin recently because they are taking uh, you know lots of steps in order to ensure that their ships are, I think, probably industry leading in terms of environmental awareness from the products that they use on board the ship to the amenities that they provide you in the cabins to the fact that their shore tours have to be provided by shore tour providers that have a, a carbon, uh, a low carbon footprint. So mm-hmm. lots of things that they're doing. This, of course, is, is fantastic. I think all the cruise lines should be doing this. So it's great to see um, Virgin getting involved. But they've partnered with a sustainable uh, marine fuel provider um, well, a number of them actually, uh, Argent Energy, uh, Good Fuels, and 12, um, and they're coming together to help Virgin with this commitment. Um, and it includes things like um, creating, or well, utilizing rather, sustainable fuels, such as things made, fuels made from um, problematic waste, for example, um, mm. uh, which can be repurposed into, into fuel, into a fuel source. Um, and they're also looking at uh, the direct air capture of CO2, which is quite interesting. Overall, sorry, they're going to be looking at to reduce their life carbon emissions by around about 75% or more, which is uh, great going. So well done, yeah. Virgin, and everybody else that's uh, actively taking a part in this particular space. Um, if you're reading up, Chris, actually, I'm going to set you a little bit of a challenge because I can't remember this fact, but uh, with Virgin, they have these little um, wearables that you wear to access your mm-hmm. cabin that's charged to your room. It's like a little bracelet made from yep. – it's actually made from uh, marine plastic that they've salvaged from the ocean. Yep. There's some stats around how much each one of those bracelets actually reclaims from the ocean. Uh, whilst you're doing your reading, have a little think and see what you can find out and come back to us next week. A little Sounds challenge good. for you. Okay, there we go. and (laughs) last up in this week's uh, cruise news fred olsen over in the uk has announced that they're uh, celebrating the joy of journeys with some new signature experiences on board this ship which are already on board a couple of uh, aspects but will be rolled out even further in 2023 yeah so it's going to focus on a number of itinerary um experiences um that that they're bringing in so they've got this open air um, sunrise, sunset, or stargazing events, um, which are going to be highlights of their sky and sea theme. Mm. Um, and then there's going to be um, some, you know, panoramic um, observations from the ship's observation lounges as they're going into their various ports, which are sort of built under the scenic discoveries um, theme. They've got an audience with program where captains and crew are. Um, uh, you know, spoken to for people who are curious to find out about how the ship operates, which is really exciting. And those, those sorts of things work really well. And yep. then Treats of the region, Regions, which is uh, a live cookery and uh, cooking and uh, culinary demonstrations um, to give people on board the ships a bit of a, a, bit of a flavor about what they, what they should expect from that part of the world that they're traveling in. Yeah, they've given an indication of just one example, the Balmoral 78-night exploration of South America and the Antarctic. This one's departing early in 2023, and it's heading down to the Falklands. And they've uh, got a a Falklands veteran on board, Simon Weston, who'll be talking about his tales from his time during that particular period. They've uh, got cookery demonstrations around Chilean empanadas. Uh, They've got opportunities to be out on deck for sunrise in the Chilean fjords and sunset at the end of the world in Ushuaia and uh, stargazing while sailing in Antarctica, to name just a few little aspects there. So uh, great news from Fred Olsen as well. Now, Chris, 
in the excitement of uh, getting today's podcast underway, because we are doing it a day early, um, I forgot to mention the, uh, the listener question that came in. So we flipped <laughs> things around a little bit. Uh, we've got a question that came in from Madeline, actually. Um, and I don't know the answer to this, but I know you probably, well, you definitely will do for sure. Okay. Um, did royalty launch, name, christen, etc. Titanic? Titanic. Ah, okay. This is probably a, a bit of a follow-on from our our topic last week where yeah, we spoke exactly. about the, the 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 ships that her, um, her Majesty the Queen uh, launched during her lifetime. So, so no is the short answer. Royalty didn't launch the Titanic. Um, so, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and we'll speak to you. No, I'm kidding. We, 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 won't, we, won't, we can't leave it at that. So, um, no. So, well, yes, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at the dog. I've got a recollection that White Star Line didn't actually name or christen their ships is that right well very good very okay. good <laughs> you're right so white star line had a, a a very different approach to to the launching of their ships to to their big uk rival cunard um and that was that the white star line didn't make a big fuss about the actual actual launch of the ship in fact they they found the name and advertised the names of the ships before they were even um before they were even uh, construct- construction had even started, so it was known from the time that Titanic's keel was laid that she was going to be Titanic, and that Olympic was going to be Olympic, which is why we know that the third ship in the Olympic class was to be named Gigantic because the name had already been published, hmm. and then of course it was it was launched um, after its name had been changed to Britannic, so it was never never sailed as as um, as gigantic, so look, they had um, they had dignitaries from White Star Line, you know, important people there at the launch. They had people, of course, from the Holland and Wolf Shipyard, um, mm-hmm. Lord Perry, for example. Um, you know, J. Bruce Ismay um, would have been there uh, to, to see the ships going into the water. But um, in terms of any sort of official ceremony, there was no christening of the of the ship. There was no smashing wine bottle over the front. Um, of the ship, but this wasn't just Titanic. It was all the White Star Line ships, and uh, that's just how they did it. And a lot of that comes down to, I think, the the fact that White Star Line had a, a very unique relationship with the Harland and Wolf shipyard. They had an exclusivity agreement with Harland and Wolf, where mm-hmm. only Harland and Wolf, uh, uh, White Star Line ships rather, were pretty much predominantly and, and only um, built by Harland and Wolf. There was a few exceptions, but um, and this was done on a cost plus fixed price percentage. Um, uh, agreement that was arranged between the companies back when when the White Star Line was uh, was reconstituted as a North Atlantic shipping mm. line um, all those mm. years ago. So you know, um, Harland and Wolf had a lot of control over the design and development of the ships, and then would just sort of launch them, and White Star Line would get the media machine running when the ship was ready to start thinking about doing sea trials. And that's when people would really start to see how impressive these ships were. But that being said, Baz, the launch of Olympic, particularly the first one in that class. Mm-hmm. It attracted huge crowds because it was known to be the largest ship in the world. Titanic was slightly larger in tonnage, but dimensions-wise, was almost exactly the same. But she mm-hmm. still, you know, it was still the spectacle. People still came down to watch the ship being launched. There you go. Great question, Madeline, and uh, great answer, Chris. And, if, and of course, if you do have a question yourself, then the best way to send it through is via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, in the top right-hand corner, join the show. Or if you're following Chris on YouTube, of course, send questions directly to him, and we'll we'll weave them into the show as well. And Chris, I believe uh, NCL also have uh, some news around a new itinerary in the South Pacific. What do you know? 
Yeah, so as we know, like Norwegian Spirit's on her on her way to to come back to Australia, um, mm-hmm. and will be the first NCL ship to return to Australia and, and New Zealand um, since the pandemic, which is really exciting. So the cruise lines just released a new South uh, some new South Pacific itineraries for these local voyages in 2023. Um, Norwegian Spirit uh, comes back into service after having a pretty extensive refit. I think it was about 100 million dollars that was spent on the refurbishment of the ship mm. um, so anyone who knows her of course she's she's one of the older ships in the fleet but she's looking um, very refreshed and um, and new on board uh, now and has a number of the new NCL um, activities uh, such as Spice HTO, the pool retreat um, and of course the new doubled in size Mandara Spa which features their new thermal suite, which is really exciting. So she'll be back in Australian waters uh, in December, and there's a heap of cruises from 2023 and, and into 2024. Fabulous. Great news. Chris, that's all we've got time for then for this week. Um, uh, we'll be back uh, same time next week. It is, of course, a long weekend here in Western Australia this week. So enjoy your time, mate, and uh, we'll catch you up uh, next weekend. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much, Baz. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.